I'm just a little education to go with it. The Holy Scriptures declares that God is one. And I'm going to show you in the Bible from beginning to end what the Bible teaches. And if the Bible teaches it, we can put our head, we can go to the gallows for it. Because this is right and we can hang our souls on it. Ain't that right? See, God in the beginning, uh, He was known as God above us. And God was trying to get back to man. God was trying to reveal Himself to man. And He started revealing Himself through Abraham, and then down through the prophets, God began to unfold Himself more and more so man would know who God was. Because when man fell, he went into amnesia, and he lost all consciousness of who God was, what a son of God was. And so God had to little by little begin to unfold Himself to reveal Himself to man. And that started with the Jews. And out of Judaism was born Christianity. With no Judaism, there would be no Christianity. But in the progression of Revelation, God established the Jewish nation. And they had the, the law and the prophets and so forth. And then out of that came forth Christ. And then came forth God's kingdom. So let's turn in the Bible there. In Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3 verse 1. And Paul now is speaking of the Jews and he's, he's asking the question, what advantage was the Jew? Because they were blinded and now it just seems like everything was for naught. And Paul is saying, okay, so what about it? Let's pick it up in verse 1 and 2. It says, now what advantage then hath the Jew? Or what profit is there of the circumcision? Which any time that speaks of circumcision, it's referring to the Jewish people. Much every way, chiefly because that unto them, the Jews, were committed the oracles of God, which means the scriptures, the prophets, the revelations of God, and the teaching of God. So unto the Jews and the Jews alone did they know the oracles or the teachings of God. This makes them valuable. And God never took that away from the Jews. Now watch this. Let's tie this in. In John chapter 4 verse 22. This is is wonderful. Jesus is talking to the Samaritan. She said what are you talking to me for? We have no dealings. He said but if you knew who you were talking to. And he begins to talk. And she said now the Jews say. We ought to worship in Jerusalem. But you know we we have differences. And Jesus answers that. Said you don't know what you worship. Now watch this. He says this is Jesus speaking. Ye worship, you know not what. We, the Jew, know what we worship. For salvation is of the Jews. So Jesus is saying, if the Jews know anything, let's just speak on the Godhead. If anyone in the world knows about the Godhead, it'll be the Jews. (laughs) If anyone knows about the truths of God, salvation is of the Jews. They know what they worship. What did they worship? Because if we go back and found out what they worship, we know God don't change. Isn't that right? So watch this in Matthew chapter 5 verse 17. You say, well, that was Old Testament, Brother Craig. And, you know, we don't follow the Old Testament anymore. Matthew chapter 5 verse 7. Because you hear these kind of arguments. Matthew chapter 5 
verse 17. Everybody there? He said, think not, this Jesus speaking, think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I'm not come to destroy. I'm come to fulfill. (laughs) He never done away with the teachings. He actually was the continuation of the Old Testament. And he said, I didn't come to destroy, but I am the fulfillment of what they spoke of. Ain't that wonderful? Now, here's where it really gets good. Uh, Go to Mark chapter 12, verse 28. Because they're going to ask Jesus specifically a specific question on the Godhead. I want you to see how Jesus answers. And the way he answered, we must answer today. Watch this. And one of the scribes came, having heard them reason together and perceiving that he had answered them well. He asked, He's asking Jesus the question, which is the first commandment of all? And if you look up that word, it means in order, uh, the foremost. What is first place? What is the chief or the beginning? What is the, uh, the utter importance of the law? He's asking that. Which is the first commandment of all? He's not asking on the Ten Commandments which is the first listed. He's asking what is the most important. Verse 12, and Jesus answered him, first of all, the commandment is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. This is the greatest importance of the law. (laughs) And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And then the second is like, namely this, that thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said unto him, Well, master, thou hast said the truth, for there is one God, and there is none other but he. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the soul and with all the strength, and to love thy neighbor as himself, More, he said, is more than all the burnt offerings and sacrifice. And when Jesus saw that he answered discreetly, he said unto him, Thou art not far from the kingdom. (laughs) Ain't that wonderful? So Jesus now capitalizes upon the Godhead. Not, he never disagreed with it. He never corrected it. He said, this is the greatest commandment. And he said, you're not far from the kingdom because you see God is one. The man confirmed God was one. Ain't that beautiful? Now let's go back and see what Jesus was reading in Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 4. Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 4. This is where Jesus is quoting out of. I want you to listen to this. Give you just a second to find it. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in your heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up, and thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thy hand and upon the frontlets between thy eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and thy gates. Is the Godhead important? 
Hear the Lord, hear O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Teach your children, talk about it when you get up, when you go to bed, put it over your door. Don't forget this, God is one. Then Jesus comes around and says, this is the great commandment. Because we can't have salvation without knowing who our Savior is. Ain't that simple? And so let's turn to Exodus 20 verse 2. So we want to go back to the beginning to establish what did the Jews believe because salvation was of the Jews and they knew what they believed. Exodus chapter 20. Verse 2. He says, I am the Lord thy God which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of bondage. See, God is revealing himself. I am he and thou shall have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or likeness of anything. That's figments of your imagination. That is in heaven above or earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. So he's saying now, I am he. I'm the one that delivered you. I'm the creator of heavens and earth. Don't you have any other gods? This is at the top of the list. Deuteronomy chapter 4 verse 32. Deuteronomy 4, verse 32. This is a good one. You want to make sure you get this wrote down. For ask now for the days that are past, which were before thee, since that God created man upon the earth. And ask from the one side of heaven unto the other, whether there hath been any such thing as this great is, or hath heard any like it. Or hath been heard like it. Did ever a people hear the voice of God. Speaking out of the midst of fire. As thou hast heard and lived. He's speaking to Israel. Or hath God essayed. To go and take him a nation. From the midst of another nation. By temptations. By signs. By wonders. By war. By a mighty hand. And by a stretched out arm. And by great terrors. According to all that God. Your, uh, the Lord your God did for you in Egypt. Before your eyes. Unto thee it was showed, the Jew. Unto thee it was showed, that thou mightest know that the Lord, he is God, and there is none else beside him. Amen. The Jews know what they believe, for salvation is of the Jews. This is the great commandment. He said, has anyone in the world seen this, that God would choose a people, show his power, reveal himself, That they might know for this purpose that I am the only true living God. Man, that ought to make you shout. Deuteronomy 32, 39. (coughs) Verse 39. See now that I, even I am he, and there is no God with me. I kill and I make alive, I wound, I heal, neither is there any that can deliver out of my hand. I am he. He's trying to establish something now. Isaiah 43 verse 10. Isaiah 43 verse 10. He says, Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, 
and my servant whom I have chosen. That you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and beside me there is no... (laughs) Who is Jesus Christ but our Savior? Who is Jesus Christ? The same one. Amen. (laughs) Now, this is good, because the, the Bible is infallible, and we can trust the Bible. So even if we didn't understand the revelation of the Godhead, we could declare him one just because God says so. And that's where Israel was. Israel don't understand what we understand, but he's one because God said so. Isn't that enough? No. Now watch this, because now I want to start taking you through the scriptures, and now we're going to walk through the revelation part of God, because we know what Jews don't know. Jews knew there was one God, and he's the Lord, he changes not. But we know what the Jews don't know. I want to talk about that just for a minute. Jesus, when he was talking to the woman at the well, it was quite an exchange. He said, you don't know what you worship, but we do, for salvation is of the Jews. But then he says something to her that's astounding. In John chapter 4, verse 24, he says, God is a spirit. If you can just pull it up on the back, you don't have to turn there. I know we've got so many scriptures to turn to, if you want to write it down. Uh, God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. So now this is Jesus' words. God is a spirit. He's he's defining what he is. I mean, what form is he in? What does he look like? I mean, how would we know him if we've seen him? And Jesus said in his own words that God is a spirit. When Jesus died and raised again, he came through a wall, I believe it was. And his disciples were just shaking in their boots. And he told them, uh, peace be unto you. And they were terrified because they thought they saw a spirit. And you know what Jesus said to them? He said, behold my hands and feet. Handle me. For a spirit don't have flesh and blood. (laughs) And so God being a spirit, you say, well, he was was like a, a... Fog, no, a spirit has no visible form. And that's where we're going to begin because the Bible said in John 1.18, if you want to write it down, no man hath seen God at any time. And the Son had declared him. So when God was revealing himself to man, it wasn't that he was revealing his physical form to man because God was a spirit. He had no beginning or end. No beginning of days, no end of life. He always was. He's beyond human comprehension. Before there was a world, a billion light years back in space, God was. Where did he come from? How in the world? Every one of us have tried to comprehend eternity, and it pops our peanut brains. Because we cannot fathom without beginning or without end. But we can believe without beginning and without end. And so God was a spirit, and he dwelled alone. He was the inexhaustible fountain of purities. He had no beginning. He had no end. He was just inexhaustible fountain of love and power and, and so on and so forth. But Brother Branham said that in him was Savior, but how could he be a Savior without something lost? In him was Father, but how could he be a Father without a Son? 
In him was healer, but how could he be a healer without something that was sick? So in order for God to express himself, he allowed the fall and so forth. Everybody understand that? So when God began to reveal himself to man, he revealed himself first by and through the prophets. So God would anoint the prophets and he would actually appear to them making, making himself known through men. Because we can look back at the Bible and we can see God in Abraham as he went to sacrifice Isaac. It was God in him doing that. God was foreshowing in the future he was going to do something, but he was living it through Abraham. We've seen God in David, God in Joshua. Their lives spelled a story of our day. We've seen God in, in, the, in the prophets and the stories of the Bible and Jonah as Jonah was in the belly of the earth. We see God revealing himself in and through man. But God now didn't just restrict himself to man, but he revealed himself in many, many forms of the Bible. And I just want to run you through it real quick to give you an idea. When Moses met God, God met him in a burning bush. And the Bible said, I am the God of thy father, uh, Isaac, or Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So it was God that was speaking out of a burning bush. Now I'm asking you, is God a burning bush? No, but God was veiled in the burning bush. It was God in the form of a pillar of fire in the bush. Isn't that right? And then when he appeared to Job, he appeared in a whirlwind. Is God a whirlwind? No, but God was in the whirlwind. The same God that was in the burning bush is in the whirlwind. He just changed his form. When God appeared to Jacob, he appeared in the form of an angel or a man. And Jacob wrestled him all night. And at the end, he said, I have seen God face to face. Well, God ain't a man, but God was revealing himself in that theophany form. Ain't that right? When God appeared to Joshua, he appeared to him as the captain of the Lord of hosts. It was the same God in the pillar of fire, the same God in the whirlwind, the same God that wrestled Jacob was now appearing to Joshua as the captain of the Lord of hosts. When, when Gideon had met the angel, he actually says that he saw God. And God appeared in the fiery furnace because Nebuchadnezzar saw one like and under the Son of God. It wasn't many gods. It was the one true living God manifested in many forms. And he appeared to Abraham in pillars of light and, and even uh, Melchizedek. And we could spend a lot of time on Melchizedek. Melchizedek had no beginning of days or end of life. Melchizedek was God. Brother Branham said he, he, he blew a body and stepped into that body. Now Melchizedek had no beginning nor end of life. Brother Benham said, whoever he is, he's alive today. It's a mystery to the world. But do you know why God allowed the story of Melchizedek? For the purpose to reveal himself and to teach us the mystery of God. Because out of God went forth the word, then into theophany, then into flesh. Melchizedek could not die for us because he wasn't born of a woman. But Melchizedek ends up becoming Jesus Christ in flesh. Same God, different form. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 2 verse 5. 
This is very, very important. So lock in because this, this is the understanding of the Godhead. This is exactly the truth of it. So watch this. Uh, this is the way Brother Branham taught us. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself no reputation, but took upon him the form, which means morphe, took upon himself the form of a servant. So now the God that was in the burning bush, that was in the whirlwind, that was in the prophets, that was in the theophanies down through the ages, now took a different form. Morphe, God who changes his mass. God who changes his form. Now takes the form of a servant. I want you to think of this. Let me finish this scripture reading. And was made in the likeness of men. Being found in the fashion of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. The Bible said he, he didn't become an angel, but he actually became the seed of Abraham. And God condescended. This great God condescended down to a man for the purpose that he could die for us. Everybody with me? Okay. Now, I'm going to slow down. Everybody paying attention. Because what you're going to do is you're going to come into an argument in Matthew chapter 3. Uh, if you want to go ahead and turn there, you're going to come into arguments of Trinitarians that say, there's three right there. We're going to look at this. And I just want to take my time here for a few minutes on condescension. Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. And let me tell you, young people, I know that you'll understand this. This is as simple as it can be. And I'm using some big words. Just keep your attention. By the time we're done, you're going to see it clearly. So it's, it's the fool can't err in. And he tells Israel, teach your children the Godhead. So everyone keep right attention. This will be easy to understand. Now, here's the argument. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee. Why comest thou to me? And Jesus answering and said unto him, Suffer it to be so now. For thus it becomes us to fulfill all righteousness. And then he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. And lo, the heavens were opened unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Now Trinitarian will say, Ah, ah. There's God there, there's Jesus there, and there's the Holy Ghost in between. And they, they actually, a man behind Brother Branham's own pulpit did it to Brother Branham. And Brother Branham, you know how he responded? He said, oh brother, you've misrepresented that. That ain't what the scripture says. He said, read it again. And so he made the man read it again. And if you read it closely... Jesus now, the virgin-born Son of God, walks out into the water. John baptizes him, and the heavens open. And heavens, Brother Branham said, represents atmospheres. The heavens open, and he said, The Spirit of God descended like 
a dove, where's it descending? From Jesus. The Spirit, not the Holy Spirit, he didn't say, he said the Spirit of God descended upon Jesus, so where is God at? Because this is the place that that Jesus become the fullness of the Godhead bodily. That's exactly the way Brother Branham taught it. God was becoming flesh right here in the Jordan. Heaven and earth united. That's exactly right. And, and now, Brother Branham said, he, he's not three gods, but three dispensations of the same God. So it was God above us in the fatherhood, then God becoming the Son of Man. And so God above us, God with us, then God in us. Not three gods, but three dispensations. So God in the fatherhood now was becoming the son. And um, the body of Jesus, listen, was the burning bush God. No, but God was in the burning bush. Was the whirlwind God. No, but God was in the whirlwind. Now the flesh of Jesus was not God. Brother Benham says that even after the seals. He said, or it could not have died. But in him dwelt the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Now, Jesus was a God-man. But he was more than you and I. Because he had the blood of God. Can you say amen? amen. Now, at the river of the Jordan, I'll read it to you. He says, um, in church and its condition... He said, when the dove came down, God and man became one. That's when God was made flesh. That's when God came down the spirit form and was made a man and dwelled among us. Here is where the fullness of God was made flesh, right here at this place. Now, uh, carnal minds will try to say, you know, so was he, was he God when he was in the manger and so on and so forth. I'll just say this. That we are saved by the blood of God. Brother Branham said God made both egg and sperm. And if we don't believe that Jesus is divine, then we're lost. Jesus is divine and we are saved by the blood of God. How many can say amen? amen. So, uh, so, now watch, let's look at it. Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Let's read it. Acts 20, verse 28. It says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he, God, hath purchased with his own blood. (laughs) Amen. Ain't that wonderful? There is no other Savior. Amen. Now, this is the mystery, that he was God and he was man. He was the God-man. And a woman challenged him and she said, you make him divine. He said, he was divine. She said, I can prove to your Bible he wasn't divine. He wept. He wasn't divine. Brother Bram said, it's silly. He said, he was a man when he had a headache after a prayer meeting, but he was God. He said, when he stretched his, you know, his little body and Lazarus come forth, or he was... He was a man when he hungered in the wilderness, but he was God when he fed 5,000. 
He was both God and he was both man. That's the mystery. That's where the mystery lies. Our creator became savior. He changed his form. So at 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 19. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 19. I know I'm moving just a little fast. But we've got so much to cover. I'm trying to keep things moving. So I hope, hope you're all okay. It says to wit. That God was in Christ. Reconciling the world to himself. God was in Christ. That's where he was. That's why he could stop the winds and the waves. That's why he could walk on water. That's why they said no man spake like this. He could stop storms with his word. He came from glory to bring us back to glory. God became a man that man might become a God. Remember Jesus when they were going to stone him? And he said, for what good work do you stone me? They said, for a good work we stone thee not, but because you be a man and maketh thyself God. He wasn't a man making himself God. He was God making himself man. Amen. Do you believe that? So God had to change his form because he could not die in spirit form. God could not die in the form of the fatherhood. So the father now becomes the son for the penalty of sin. And so he could take uh, the form of flesh to take death. So God was veiled in Jesus Christ. And uh, this, this is, let's look at it again. The scripture we opened up on in 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16. 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16. Let's read it closely. And without controversy, great is the mystery of the godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. That's clear. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up to glory. Seen of angels. Brother Branham said angels stood before God with their wings, holy, holy, holy. He said, but when God became a man, they looked over the banister and they saw him. (laughs) Okay, now here is the separating factor. Because all the world reads the same scriptures you read. But you cannot see God unless God reveals himself to you. And brings these scriptures to life. In Luke chapter 10, verse 22, let's look at that. Luke chapter 10, verse 22. All things are delivered to me of my Father, and no man knows who the Son is but the Father, and who the Father is but the Son, and he to whom the Son will reveal him. That's when he turns and said, Blessed are your eyes for the things that you see. So no man can know God without the revelation of the Spirit. You simply could not know. And so the Trinity is not just some sort of doctrinal thing that you're taught from from a university. But it must be a spiritual revelation that God became a man to redeem mankind back to himself. 
Everybody wide awake? Everybody with me? Is it clear? Okay. So now we're going to hang on, young people. Stay with me. But I'm going to be talking to the, probably the adults on this one. And you're going to want to pay close attention because you'll have this in, in dispute. And these ain't learned arguments, but just to show you by the Bible and to maybe help teach you what's being done. The Trinitarian doctrine did not, wasn't born until Nicene Council. And at the Nicene Council, there was actually a split on the thought. And the thought was that God was three persons. And it took a while to develop, but there was another, um, there was another thought, which was the divide, which was Unitarianism. So it was polytheism and Unitarianism, and it was a split of two extremes. And in the one extreme, and, and just for the young people, it was three gods, but the extreme idea of one God, which the oneness Pentecostals picked up on. And many of you remember Brother Branham never agreed with the oneness Pentecostals. Are we oneness? We are Bible oneness. We are not Pentecostal oneness. But where do we differ? Where do we differ with the oneness? That when Brother Branham said, oh no, I'm not oneness. But then he'd tell someone else, I'm oneness. <laughs> so I want to maybe teach you exactly what happened on this split as the extreme Trinitarians went this way, and the extreme oneness went this way, it's called modalism. And modalism believes that God is one person who can only be in one form at a time. And, and this will be very clear to you. In, the, in other words, in the Old Testament, God was the Father... But when the father became the son, he can no longer be the father no more. So this is called modalism, that one mode at a time. He is the father, he is the son, he is the Holy Ghost. And so this is the extreme oneness. And if you remember, Brother Branham said that the oneness tried to make the father, the son, and the Holy Ghost like your finger. This is what he's saying. The modalism is to make the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost like your finger. He can only be in one place at one time, and he cannot be his own Father. This, Brother Branham was talking to the oneness when he said, who was Jesus' Father? He said, was it God or was it the Holy Ghost? Because the Bible said the Holy Ghost overshadowed Mary. This, he was speaking to the oneness that didn't believe he could be the Holy Ghost till Pentecost. He was either the Father, the Son, or the Holy Ghost, and they were modes that he would not, he would not cross those. Everybody understand that? So Brother Branham was speaking to the oneness when he said, then who was Jesus' Father? He was tying him up. And then another woman come up and said, Brother Branham, Oneness is like you and your wife. And he said, sister, that ain't, that ain't the Godhead. He said, do you see my wife when you see me? She said, no, sir. He said, but Jesus said, when you see me, you see the Father. <laughs> Amen. So there was something now that Brother Brent, let's look at it. Let's look at it. John chapter 14.
John chapter 14. We're going to read this real slow. And this is fantastic because it knocks that theory out of the water. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself. And where I am, that where I am, you may be also. And whether I go, you know, and the way you know. And Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we not know whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And if you had known me, you should have known my Father also. And from henceforth, you know him, and you have seen him. Philip saith unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. And Jesus saith unto him, Have I been with you so long? Have I been so long time with you? Yet thou hast not known me, Philip. He that has seen me has seen the Father. How sayest thou then, show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, the Father in me, and the words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he does the works? <laughs> Amen. Go down to, uh, go to chapter 8, verse 19. John chapter 8, verse 19. And they said unto him, Where is thy father? And Jesus answered, You neither know me nor my father. If you had known me, you should have known my father also. (laughs) John chapter 10, verse 30. I and my father are one. How glorious. Does that make you feel good? (laughs) It makes me feel good. We know whom we have believed. The Bible, I quoted it earlier, and we don't have to turn there. 1 Corinthians chapter 5.19 said, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. God was in him. He was doing the works. He was leading them by vision. It was God in him. He said, when you see me, you see the Father. Matter of fact, you could not see God without seeing, seeing him through Christ. That's why he said, no man has seen God at any time, but the Son has declared him. So Jesus revealed God to man. He revealed God to the earth. Isn't that clear? And so here is a, another good one in Colossians chapter 2 verse 8. It says, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Amen. He was divine. If he wasn't divine, we're in trouble. He was God manifested in the flesh. So, it was at the Jordan that, that God united with Jesus Christ. And the only way to see God was through Christ. Because Jesus was the tabernacle of God upon the earth. That's where the Father and the Son were united as one, Brother Benham said. Now, God was changing his form 
from the unseen to the seen. God was actually condescending down to flesh for redemption. He was changing himself to a man. So God unfolded himself into a pillar of fire, into theophany, and then on down to the sun, I'm sorry, into flesh. And God took now the form of a man. And that form was called Emmanuel, God with us. That was, that's why he named him that. In Isaiah 9, 6, let's look at it. Isaiah 9, 6. Isaiah 9, 6. This is familiar to us. For unto us a child is born. This is Emmanuel. Unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, <laughs> the Prince of Peace. It, it just spells it out. Amen. I just before I go further, the condescension of God did not stop at Christ. God became a man and he took the form of a servant to die for us. But in him was the blood of God which actually paved a road beyond Christ into the heart of man so God could condescend through the Redeemer down into our hearts and now it was God above us, God with us and now God in us. So the condescension don't stop at Christ. He goes all the way into your heart and we become a part of him. Isn't that wonderful? Now, let's turn to Revelations chapter 10. No, 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 no. Forgive me. Revelations chapter 1. Revelations 1 verse 10. I'm sorry about that. It says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And I heard behind me a great voice as a trumpet saying, I, listen to this introduction, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And then he tells him to write it to the churches. In the Church Age series, Brother Branham said, the greatest of all revelation is the supreme deity of Jesus Christ. There is no greater revelation than the supreme deity of Jesus Christ. And he said, you can't get to first base until you know the deity of Christ. I am the A to Z. I am the beginning and end. I am all of it. I am the full sum of it. Ain't that wonderful? And so, four times, God reveals himself. Turn to Revelations chapter 1, verse 8. Let's look at that. He says, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is, which was, which is to come, the Almighty. (laughs) Ain't that what he said in Isaiah 9, 6? Almighty God, everlasting Father. I am he that was and is and is to come. The opening of the revelation of Jesus Christ opened up The revelation, I am supreme deity. This is who's speaking. This is who the Redeemer is all about. 
He was revealing himself, the very one that spoke to Moses. So the book of Revelation confirms the deity of Christ. Now, in Revela- uh, you don't have to turn there because you know it well. When, J- when Jesus gave the commission to baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, that was not three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Brother, this is a direct quote if you go look it up. Brother Branham said it was three dispensations, the Father, God above us, the Son, God with us, and the Holy Ghost dispensation, God in us through the seven church ages. Because the Holy Ghost dispensation went down through the seven church ages, God in his people, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Do you realize that makes you a part of the Godhead? It's exactly right. We're not the head. But we are controlled by the head. And we're a part of that Godhead. Because we couldn't be eternal without a part of God in us. It's exactly right. So is God above us. God with us. God in us. Brother Branham said that's why we baptize in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Go look it up. You'll find he says it many times. That's why we're buried in that name. Not three gods, but three dispensations. Amen. So... I want to move move along here. Um, and the reason I said that, God above us, God with us, God in us, is because in order for you to know your position, you've got to understand the Godhead. That we know who we are. Not just sinners saved by grace, but we are actually a part of God. Ones that will sit in the throne with Him. Now, there's a difference between the redeemed and the Redeemer. And we'll never take the place of the Redeemer. He is the head and we are the body. But there is a union between God and man. Everybody understand that? This is actually, Brother Branham said, God's achievement. This is what God achieved through redemption. Now, the office of the Holy Spirit. This is good. If you want to turn to John 14. So after Christ. God condescended into Christ. He gave his life. Christ ascended up on high, poured his spirit out upon upon Pentecost. This is where we pick it up. In verse 16, he says, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, Whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth in you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. A little while the world seeth me no more, but ye shall see me, because I live, ye live also. And at that day you shall know that I am in the Father, the Father in me, I in you, you in me. And he that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he that loveth me, He that loveth me shall be loved of my father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. And Judah saith unto him, not his chariot, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? And Jesus answered and said unto him, if a man love me, he will keep my words. My father will love him. We will come unto him and make our abode with him. The Spirit is speaking of a time that the That God would manifest himself through a many-membered body. Amen. That's the great I am. The same God. 
Now, I want to show you a comparison. Are you getting tired? Is this okay? Everybody understanding? Okay, Isaiah chapter 45, verse 20. I'm going to take you through a comparison here. Isaiah 45, verse 20. You want to write this one down. This is, a, this is good. Assemble yourselves together and come and draw near together, ye that are escaped of the nations. They have no knowledge that have set up wood of, of their graven image and pray unto a God that cannot save. Tell ye and bring them near. Let them take counsel together who hath declared this from ancient time. Who hath told it from that time? Have not I the Lord that there is no God else beside me? A just God, a Savior, there is none beside me. Look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth. For I am God and there is none else. I have sworn by myself and the word is gone out of my mouth and righteousness and shall not return. That unto me every knee shall bow and every tongue shall swear. <laughs> Sound familiar? We won't turn there. Uh, if you want to just write it down, Philippians 2, 5 through 11. You don't have to turn there. But that's speaking that every knee would bow and every tongue would confess. Then Isaiah chapter 41, verse 4. Let's turn there. Isaiah 41. Verse 4, who hath wrought and done it, calling the generations from the beginning? I, the Lord, the first and with the last, I am he. Does that sound familiar? Go to 44, verse 6. Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. And beside me there is no God. Amen. Isaiah 48 verse 12. <coughs> Hearken unto me, O Jacob and Israel, my called. I am he. I am the first and I am also the last. My hand hath also laid the foundation of the earth. And my right hand hath spanned the heavens. And when I call unto them, they stand up together. You can just take it and overlay it right with Revelations. I am the first and the last. First chapter, Revelation. I am He. I'm Alpha and Omega. I'm the beginning and the end. I am the Redeemer. It's the same one. Ain't that wonderful? The beginning and the end. He that is, which is, which is to come. The faithful witness. First uh, 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 born among the dead. Alpha and Omega. The Almighty. These are all descriptions of the same person. They're all the same. And it's not three gods, it's the same God manifested in many forms. Now, what is, what is the definition of Trinity? Three persons and one God. Three persons, Brother Branham said now, he said three persons means three different individuals or the English has lost its uh, meaning entirely. So, if Brother Craig had three persons, I'd be schizophrenic. Wouldn't I? If I had three personalities, it would make me schizophrenic. I'd be locked up. But, but they're saying God is tripersonal. That he's got multiple personalities. 
That's what they're saying. But he's one. But I'm going to show you by the Bible, you can diffuse the definition of Trinity by the Bible. Turn with me to uh, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. Okay. God, who at sundry times, in diverse manners, spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory, speaking of Jesus, and the express image of his, not an express image of his persons, it's not speaking of the personalities of God, but rather the person of God was expressed through Christ. Because there's only one person in the Godhead. You see that? Amen. Now, what happens is it's the carnal mind. People ain't trying to be mean, trying to be evil. They're just taught wrong. And it's carnal minds looking and saying, okay, God, the dove, and Jesus, one, two, three, three gods. They also go back to Genesis, let us make man. In our image. I'm sure you've had that argument or heard it before. Let's go back there and look at it. Revelations chapter 1. Verse 26. And it's, this is actually very, very simple. Genesis chapter 1. Verse 26. Everybody love the Lord? And God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the fowl of the air and so forth. said, let us make man in our image. This is not speaking of angels. Because angels are not in the image of God. This is not, this is not angels he's speaking of. But many read this and they conclude there must be more than one. Because he's saying let us make man in our image. Now this is actually very simple. But before we go any further. I want to I say this. That all scripture must reconcile with scripture. So Brother Branham said. If I said. If I take isolated scriptures. And say. Judas hung himself. You do likewise. Go quickly. Well, this, this, is, this isn't continuity of the scripture. So you, you can have someone say, uh, uh, let us make man in our image. Huh? Huh? Now, I want you to go back to Genesis 1.1. 1, 1. Genesis 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning... God created the heavens and earth. Singular. Okay? So, whatever revelation lies in let us make man in our image must reconcile with in the beginning God singular made it all. Okay? It's got to reconcile. And that's what we're going to do is we're going to reconcile it by the scriptures. Now, 
I'm going to go further and give you more scriptures to show it's the continuity of the Bible that there's only one creator. So, Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 6. Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 6. It says, Thou, even thou art Lord alone. Thou hast made heavens and the heaven of heavens. With all their hosts, the earth and all things that are therein, and the seas and all that is therein, thou preservest them all, and the host of heaven worships thee. He said, You've only, only you, God, have done it. So whatever let us make man in our image means must reconcile that God did it alone. <laughs> okay? Uh, Job chapter 9, verse 8. He's speaking of God, if you go back and read it a little bit, I know I'm moving fast. I'm trying real hard to be slow. I'm, I'm kind of an accelerator. Job is uh, it's speaking of God here in this verse, and he says that God alone spread out the heavens and treads upon the waves of the sea. God alone does it. Isaiah 44, verse 23. Isaiah chapter 44, verse 23. This one's good. It says, Sing, O ye heavens, for the Lord has done it. Shout, ye lower parts of the earth, and break forth into singing, ye mountains, O forest, and every tree therein. For the Lord has redeemed Jacob and glorified himself in Israel. Thus saith the Lord thy Redeemer, he that formed thee from the womb. I am the Lord that maketh all things. That stretcheth forth the heavens alone. That spreads abroad the earth by myself. So whatever happened there in Genesis. Must run in continuity with that. Isaiah 45 verse 5. I am the Lord, Lord and there is none else. There is no God beside me. I girded thee. Though thou hast not known me. That they may know from the rising of the sun. From the west. That there is none beside me. I am the Lord. There is none else. I form the light. I create darkness. I make peace. I create evil. I the Lord do all these things. And he says. Drop down ye heavens from above. And let the skies pour down righteousness. Let the earth open. And let them bring forth salvation. And let the righteousness spring up together. I the Lord have created it. Woe unto him that striveth with his maker. Let the potsherds strive with the potsherds of the earth. Shall the clay say to him that fashions it, Why makest, what makest thou? Or thy work, he hath no hands. Woe unto him that saith unto his father, What begettest, begettest thou? Or to the woman, what hast thou brought forth? Thus saith the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. And make and his maker... Ask me of things to come concerning my sons, concerning the work of my hands, command me. I have made the earth and created man upon it. I, even my hands, have stretched out the heavens and all their host I have commanded. And he called him the Holy One of Israel. God is just saying, I did it all by myself. 
One more. Are these good? Do you like them? Malachi chapter 2, verse 10. You're going to love this one. This one's fantastic. Malachi chapter 2, verse 10. This is dynamite. Have we not all one Father? (laughs) Hath not one God created us? (laughs) Amen. There's one Father. There's one God. Now, before I go any further, I just took a long time in, in our teaching tonight to establish that God is not three gods, but God, Morphe, changes his form, and it's God condescending down to man. So, in the beginning, this is the way Brother Branham taught, let us make man in our image. In the beginning... God dwelt alone, but he had thoughts in his mind, and those thoughts were eternal. And God spoke, let there be. And out of God went forth the Logos, which is the thought or the concept of God. He said it first must be a thought before it becomes a word. So God in his thoughts, he says, let there be. And out of his mouth went forth the creative word with the creative power behind it. And Brother Branham said, I can see that the word that went out from that eternal God, the creator, he said, I see a little sacred light taking form. He said, so we have an understanding. We can see something and we can have an understanding of what it is. He said, it is the Logos. He said, it is the offspring of God that's going out from God. It's the offspring. So in the beginning was the word. The Word was with God, the Word was God, and the Word condescended, was made flesh. So out of the invisible Spirit God went forth the Word, the Logos. It was Christ coming down to theophany form, down to flesh form. Amen. Everybody see that? So when the Logos went out, He said, let us make man in our image. And I want to show you this. This is astounding. Um, let's, let's look at it in John chapter 1 verse 10. I know it's a little complicated maybe to explain to somebody, but it's very easy to understand. Genesis chapter 1. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. Bear with me. John 1.10. Speaking of Jesus now, first chapter, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, the Word was made flesh in verse 14, but this is verse 10. He was in the world. The world was made by him. Well, we just took the whole testament saying God was the only one that did it. <laughs> Amen. Brother Branham said, I can see. He said, as the word went forth, he said, like a little clinker going way out into the eternities that I said, I see that pillar of fire, pick it up and start moving it towards the sun. And he said that ice begins to melt and the earth is flooded. And then we pick up Genesis 1.1 and the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 9. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 9.
to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world has been hid in God, who created all things by Remember Hebrews, we just read it. He said, uh, he said that uh, by whom he made the worlds. He was speaking of Christ, Jesus Christ. By whom he made the worlds. So God now created the earth by himself. When he said, let us make man in our image. It's all this picture of the condescension of the word going forth. It's the whole picture of redemption as it was moving down to the present. Amen. Um, here's one. Uh, John chapter 8. Let's, let's go there. Verse 56. Jesus saying to the religious leaders, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. Then the Jews, then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? And he said, Verily I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. <laughs> Amen. Colossians chapter 1 verse 14. Colossians chapter 1, verse 14. In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. And by him were all things created. Are you listening? For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth. Visible, invisible, whether they be thrones, dominions, principalities, powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. And in all things he might have the preeminence, for it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. Amen. Ain't that wonderful? Now, here's a little secret one that I, I, I like Real well. John chapter uh, 20. You got to read real close or you'll read right over it. John chapter 20 verse 24. But Thomas, one of the twelve after the resurrection, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. And the other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see his hands and the print of nails, and put my finger into the print of nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, again his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, and the doors being shut, and stood in the midst, and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he, Thomas, reach hither your finger, and behold my hands, reach hither Thy hand and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered, said unto him, What's it say? <laughs> that wasn't a figure of speech. My Lord and my God. Ain't that wonderful? And he said, 
You have seen me and believed, but blessed are they that have not seen and believed. Here's another one like that in Acts chapter 7. I was, um, years ago, I was having a Bible study with, uh, I think it was Mormons. And I was telling them that Jesus was divine, that Jesus was God. And they're, oh no, oh no. We were going back and forth in the scriptures and they had their arguments. And uh, we pay, here pick up in Acts chapter 7, verse 54. And when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and gnashed on him with their teeth. He being full of the Holy Ghost looked steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And they're like, see, see, they're two separate ones altogether. And uh, I said, but you got to read further. And so let's pick up verse 56. And behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried with a loud voice. They're going to stone Stephen. They stopped their ears and they ran upon him with one accord. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid their clothes at the young man's feet whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God, saying, <laughs> Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. So they're saying, see, he's right there, father and son. I said, read further. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God, saying, Lord Jesus, <laughs> we know whom we have believed. See, it's not to the carnal mind. It's to the spiritual mind. Okay, now I know I've held you for a little bit, but can we go through some New Testament scriptures to show that the New Testament teaches one God just as much as the Old Testament does? Let's look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 4. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 4. There's one body, one spirit, even as you're called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, Father of all, <laughs> who is above all, through all, and in you all. Amen. That's pretty clear. One God, one Lord, one faith, Father of all. 1 John chapter 5 verse 7. First John chapter 5 verse 7. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. That's so important. How they replace the Son with the Word. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. These three are one. That's a very important one when witnessing to someone and showing them that God is one by the Scriptures. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 4. First Corinthians 8, let's read 4 through 6. As concerning therefore 
the eating of those things which are offered and sacrificed unto idols. We know that an idol is nothing in the world, and that there is none other God but one. For though there be that are called gods, whether in heaven or in earth, as there be gods many and lords many, but to us there is but one God, (laughs) the Father of whom are all things, we in him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we by him. Ain't that beautiful? 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 13. He said, I give thee charge in the sight of God, who quickeneth all things, and before Christ, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession, that thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable unto the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ which in his times he shall show who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who only has immortality, dwelling in the light, which no man can approach unto, whom no man hath seen, nor can see, to be whom be honor and power Everlasting. Now when you read these scriptures. You see it so clearly. See Jesus Christ. Was revealing the invisible God. The Bible said he was in the image. Of the invisible God. So all the titles. The advocate. The carpenter. The lamb of God. The vine. The door. The light. The alpha. The omega. The beginning. The end. All the titles. The rose of Sharon. The lily of the valley. Fairest of 10,000, all of the titles, all of them was wrapped up in one, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the word, the Lord Jesus Christ, I, I love how Peter said, God hath made this Jesus whom you've crucified, both Lord and Christ. See, he was, he was God, he was deity. And Brother Branham said, all redemption was wrapped up in one human name. And salvation can only come through that human name. Because that was the name of redemption to man. To the earth. I'm going to close on this scripture here. Malachi chapter 3. And this is the keynote. Or the keystone revelation of the entire Bible. And every Bible study. If the Lord tarry and we, we have more. Every Bible study will be based upon this scripture. Every revelation of the Bible will be based upon this. And Brother Branham said it can be called the keystone of the entire Bible. It is the keystone revelation of it all. And that's Malachi 3.6. For I am the Lord, I change not. That there is Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. Every revelation comes back to this scripture. Every one, save none. Every one. So when the Jews had a revelation of one God, he had to remain one God. And whatever our misunderstandings are, if we don't understand Jesus in the Jordan, or if we don't understand the humanity, it's something we're missing in our human understanding. But God is one because he says he's one. Period. 
So we must not try to align God up to our thinking, but we've got to align ourselves to God's thinking and God's revelation. He is the same. He is the same God that spoke to Abraham. He's the same God that spoke to Moses. He is the same God today. He was always one. He always will be one. You see. Ain't that wonderful? Ain't that simple? So we serve the same God Moses did. We have the same revelation only more. Jesus Christ is the continuation of the ministry. So let me, let me in closing. God revealed himself to Abraham. And said 400 years I'm going to bring you out. I'm going to reveal myself in a mighty way. When Moses came, Moses was the continuation of the promise to Abraham. Actually, Abraham then had Isaac. Isaac was the continuation of the promise. Isaac had Jacob. Jacob was the continuation of the promise. Then come forth Moses. Moses was the continuation of what God promised to Abraham. Then Joshua, as I was with Moses, so will I be with thee. Joshua was the continuation of the ministry of Moses. Then there was Elijah. And when Elisha came, he was the continuation of Elijah. There was David and Solomon was the continuation of David. So when Christ came, he was the continuation of the prophets. But then when the disciples came, they were the continuation of Jesus' ministry. That was the book of Acts. Brother Bram said it wasn't the Acts of the Apostles. It was the Acts of the Holy Ghost. In the Apostles, he said, and every true church age has been the continuation of the ministry of Jesus Christ. So it's nothing new. It's just a continuation and a greater unfolding in Revelation. Ain't that wonderful? Any questions? Don't be afraid if, if something wasn't made. Does it, did it, was it clear just walking it through the Bible by the scriptures that God is one? Is there any question that God is one? Okay, so the uh, let us make man in our image and these scriptures that seem to be contradictory, they have a place. Can everybody see that? Amen. Amen. How about our youngsters? Do our youngsters have questions on the Godhead? No? Wow, that was a success. <laughs> The Bible has the answer. We can't cover all the scriptures, but these are the these are key scriptures to help just to say, okay, I know where I stand. So what you want to do is you want to take those scriptures that are written down and go home and maybe what I've done is I made me a little index and I put it in a Godhead file and it's actually handwritten. And when I have Bible studies, I'll open it up and we'll just sit down and walk through the scriptures. And this is the beauty of it. Um, we can actually, everything the message teaches, we never have to mention Brother Branham. We can show you by the word. And so uh, many times when um, I've had Bible studies with people that with opposing views, first of all, you've got to respect a person because they can only see what God allows them to see. And so you want to respect them. You're just trying to share. They won't see it if they're not predestinated. They just won't. So don't get upset about it. That's all in God's hands. Our job is to distribute it. That's it. And not take it personal. So um, what, I, what I usually do is I'll say, now listen, I will not argue. I don't argue the scriptures. I would love to have discourse over the scriptures. I would love to discuss any subject with you. But this is my only condition. 
I don't want your opinion. I can't base my eternal salvation upon your opinion. All I ask is everything you show me, all your arguments are based on the Bible. And I promise that all my arguments will be based on the Bible. And if you'll meet that condition, then we can talk. If you don't want, if you don't want to discuss it in that way, then there's no sense in going any further. Most people will say, oh yeah, yeah, I believe that the Bible's the absolute. I'll, I'll go with that condition. So very well. I've been with women, you know, defending preachers and things. And they say, where do you find that in the scripture? Turn them, you know, and I start showing them where the Bible forbids it. They start backing up. I said, but you said you'd believe it if it's the scriptures. But I don't think. I said, you told me you won't give me your opinion. <laughs> and it, and, and this, this is not being smart. This message, you can challenge it. This message is a word message. That's why we believe it from beginning to end. This, this message is the word of God revealed. We are a blessed people. And that's the beauty of this message. Anything, we can take it right back here. Amen. So don't be afraid. I wouldn't be afraid to sit down with the Pope and say the Trinitarian doctrine is not biblical. I wouldn't be afraid because I, this is the Bible that we believe and stand on. Now, off with his head. Yeah, I, that might make me nervous, but, but I'm not afraid to stand with the Word of God and say that's wrong because the Word declares it's wrong. Hey, at those times, God will come down and fight for you. He just... God, give us all courage. Well, good. I hope everybody had good understanding. Maybe, uh, I don't know when our next one will be. Maybe uh, we'll, we'll have to talk about it and the, we'll send out an announcement. But, and this is going to develop as we go along. Uh, normally in Bible studies, I, I like to have interaction and, and kind of let other people read and kind of have an interactive but we're recording this too, so I don't know how this will develop, but I really appreciate the support and the interest. And it'll just, like I said, it builds us up in a, in a unique way so we can stand toe-to-toe with anybody in witnessing. It's very effective in witnessing because most people, they have to humble themselves and say, listen, you know, I'm not being smart. The Bible says this, you know, and I've seen many, many souls come to the Lord. Uh, with these kind of arguments, as long as you don't get in the flesh and get, you know, in your human spirit, just sit down and say, come, let's reason together. Oh, praise the Lord. Brother Mike? Okay. You will make more room. This is wonderful. Okay, so well, before we close and pray, any questions, you have an opportunity. Don't be bashful. If I don't know, I'll just tell you I don't know. So, oh, good. Everybody feel good? Happy? Yeah. All right, maybe we can sing a song. Let's stand. Let's sing I Love Him. Oh, I love Him. I Salvation
Everybody in the spirit, let's sing it again. Oh, I love him. I love him because he first loved me. bow our heads heavenly father we thank you lord as we took a walk through the scriptures and lord you've declared yourself we thank you for the revelation of jesus christ we thank you lord after two thousand years of darkness and denominational ages and how the devil had tried to stop the truth and banned bibles and burnt churches and destroyed the believers but lord your flame light of your torch, Lord, has fallen into our hands. and We rejoice over the truth, dear God. We could have been blind out in the systems of religion. But Lord, you have revealed yourself and said, Blessed are your eyes for the things that you see. We want to thank you, Lord. We just want to take this time to raise our hands, to open up our lungs and to give you praise. And to thank you for the revelation, Lord, how you've given so much to us. And Father, I pray in Jesus' name that the Holy Spirit We'll take this revelation further. Begin to break it to every heart. And do, Lord, what I cannot do as a human being. Bring the revelation and understanding into the hearts of our young people. Father, I pray that you bless them in such a way. Lord, that our young people be rock solid, dear God, in the, in the faith, Lord, in the revelation of God. I pray, Lord, that the Holy Spirit will continue to lift us up higher, root us, ground us deeper, Lord. We love you. I pray that you bless with each and every one that have come out. And that you protect them on the way home. We thank you, for, Father, for your hungry children that have gathered around your word. It's been good to be in the house of the Lord. Our hearts are happy and edified. Bless your people and we bless you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. I remember one uh, testimony of a, uh, in the Fox's Book of Martyrs. These pagans were trying to lead the people into worship of pagan gods. The Christians were the thorn in the flesh because they would not bow to the pagan Rome. And uh, they were, they were uh, threatening a woman with death. And she looked at the emperor or the ruler and she said, even a nursing babe, she said, knows that God is one. And that man was furious. And he, he went and grabbed a youth, just a young little fella, and pulled him out in front of the people and said, tell me, is God one? Or is there more gods than one? And he said, we have learned from the breast that God is only one. <laughs> and he went furious and he martyred the child. But the kid would not recant and stood in the faith. Let me tell you, there is power in this word. And our young people can know the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's the gold of the earth. So God bless you. Thank you all for coming. We're done tonight. Shalom.